Groovaholics. Welcome to the Rochester Groovecast podcast. Birthed by a love of music, we're all about culture. Don't forget to subscribe and remember the fee. If you gain value from this podcast, personally share it with a friend and explain your favorite part. Let's get groovy. Groovy.
listening to the Rochester Groovecast podcast, your top source for live local regional music interviews and events from Rochester, New York and the surrounding area. We're live on Facebook. If you're on the Facebook stream, you get to hear it first. And I'm here with Ben Rossi of Friday in America. Again, man, it's good to see you tonight. You too, bud. It's been too long. Probably a year. (laughs) You know, time has flown by, huh? It's probably been about a year. Every day doesn't seem the same at all. Yeah. um, Well, we're going to talk about the the previous year. We'll talk about the previous 10 years. We'll talk about current. But to get started, yeah, that song was Hitman by Friday in America. Um, Obviously, a band you've been a part of for forever now man uh, introduce introduce that song to us and and as a second question how long has friday in america been a band great question uh that song is probably like 12 years old i think fran broderick and i started the band in 2008 i think i was just thinking about this today trying to get some numbers for it so i think we've been a band for 13 years so if anyone who's ever been in a band knows how hard it is to keep a band together, 13 years is quite a long time. Yeah, impressive. I I was going to say, man, and I don't know if you remember the first time we met. I actually don't remember the moment that well because um, I'd see you all the time. But I yeah. don't know if I don't think you know this and I didn't know it at the time, but in around that 08, maybe it was 09, I swear I was still in high school. If not, I was like a freshman in college. Um, you guys are playing a gig at Love and Cup. And I actually took a date there out of the blue, hadn't heard of you. And I was like, these guys are pretty cool. And it was literally like 09-ish, Friday in oh, America. Shit. And I've never told you that story, but that was the first time I saw you guys play and wow yeah you guys are awesome then and it feels like ions ago that that happened did you have me on the podcast just to tell me that story uh no no not at all that's great did that's funny i didn't know that no i just i remember meeting you you know after we went to i would see you at you know after the 50th show that we'd seen each other at (laughs) you know four or five a week it's like hey we should probably start talking (laughs) yeah hey did you go to did you go to rit uh no, I I went okay. to a few schools, but I went to FOCC, MCC, Brockport. Yeah, um, that must have been when Love and Cup first opened. Yeah, yeah. Wow, yeah. yeah. That was a long time ago. It. it was, and, and you said you and Fran Broderick started the band in like around that period. Fran, yeah, Fran. Uh, we went to Geneseo together and met at an open mic that I ran, and then kind of more from there and we've had a a couple iterations of band members um but now we've hit our stride in the last few years of like you know the best of the best people that we could play with um so yeah that love and cup was probably one of the first shows we played (laughs) i was going to ask if you remember the Dublin dance now that you're going that far back so i remember bits and pieces of the Dublin days Anyone who was part of the Dublin days, especially someone like me, I mean, I'm 29. I was a teenager during a lot of the Dublin days, kind of just raising into being old enough to drink, but still drinking underage and things like that. One thing with the Dublin days is there's only so much you can remember. 
That was a crazy, crazy. Tell me some of your experiences at Dublin. You guys played there a bunch of times or so many times I was in, I was in another band as well called J mood that I was in from like 2007 to 2009, I think was our last show. And then with that, I was also in Friday in America. So there would be times where we'd play two or three times a month at Dublin with different bands every time. So it wasn't like, you know, the same old thing, but Mm -hmm. man, before uh, three heads came around, that was like our, you know, almost like a residency, um, albeit uh, a lot drunker residency Mm -hmm. (laughs) as that place was known to get. Uh, But that was awesome. We played so many shows. It just kind of, we learned how to play together there and, you know, just learned so much there as bands just doing that every, you know, every weekend. Yeah. I, I certainly don't know if I could sustain that now playing until two in the morning <laughs> on a Friday and Saturday, but it was fun then. Yeah. It's, it's a good way to get your, your chops going, playing live, staying up late, playing long sets, big crowds, crazy crowds. And uh, that was kind of like the cornerstone in the music scene. Cause I don't think there was, if milestones was gone at that point mm-hmm. and easy on East was around, but I don't think they did bands. So it was essentially like water street and montage. And, you know, there wasn't much downtown, but Dublin. So if you mm-hmm. were playing music downtown, that was basically where you played. That's, I feel like a lot of the music scene morphed out of Dublin. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was hard to fill that void. Right. I mean, nowadays, um, when everything's up and running, there's three heads brewing just recently opened. I mean, it's been a while now, but just recently opened up in flower city station and temple has music and anthology has big bands. And yeah, it's almost like the loss of water street, which did transition into funk and waffles and had a few different iterations and owners, but the loss of water street and the loss of Dublin, almost created this need where all these other venues came about out of that. It really did. And I couldn't agree more. And when you were talking with Matt Green, when he was talking about opening Flower City Station, like there was a time where there was, after Dublin, there was like void. Hmm. And then all of a sudden, you know, if there were music areas that were just shitty. And then all all of a sudden you have these, out of that grew all these wonderful music places like flower city and three heads and loving cup and all that stuff. But like, you know, it's kind of like, uh, the wetlands of Rochester, the famous, like New York city venue mm-hmm. in the nineties. It's, uh, I've, there's been people in town, right. And you know, they'll be at a bar and, uh, I'll run into them. They'll be like, what to do in town? What should I do in town? I'm only here for a, a day or two. And I'm like, well, I mean, if you Uber, or have a car, it's even easier but within a mile and a half radius, I could probably name 20 things to do tonight. Um, yeah, right. the, wet, the wetlands of upstate New York, wetlands of Rochester. Yeah, you were saying that in your other podcast about going, and I know because I've seen you there, like it's not uncommon to catch two shows. I mean, two shows a night on like a Thursday is like normal, you yeah. know? You catch like the early one at Three Heads, then you go to Johnny's or you go to Flower City or Temple. And then on Saturday, it's like, well, you know, you can get three shows in if you're lucky or, mm-hmm. you know, have a driver or whatever. But it, yeah, it's just, I, it's weird that it's, I don't know, I guess it's so common for us to do that now. We're so, 
or were so lucky before COVID and all that shit. Yeah, I, I'm hoping that we the the luck's still with us and things return to normal. Obviously, it's been a crazy year. It's like one of those. It's one of those highs. It's it's almost like I went through like the worst breakup ever that I'm going to music multiple days a week, multiple yeah. venues uh, a weekend. I'm seeing someone play. I'm going to a venue after their show. They show up after their gig. It's like, wow, it was like it was the worst breakup of my life. But but ongoing. Yeah, but ongoing. And it's you know, like, lingering, right? Like four years ago, I made the decision just not to do that. I was only you know, seeing a show or two a week, which is still a lot for most people, whatever, but absolutely, you know, I, I like my life and, you know, I purposely don't have kids and I want to play music and go see as much as I can. So I was like, why am I not doing this four nights a week? Like you can go out any night of the week, you can go and see a band like anywhere. And it was just, I'm so thankful. I took advantage of that because shit <laughs> last year has been terrible. Yeah. And hey, it'll be back to normal soon. I I love that we dived right in, but for someone listening to this and they aren't listening because they love my my beautiful voice or they don't know you or they they're here because they know you. For anyone who just randomly stumbled upon this podcast, we haven't really introduced who you are. Talk a little bit about Friday in America. So Friday in America. You're, what would you say, the lead guitar players, uh, one of the yeah. singers? Uh, yep, Le- lead guitar player, I guess, uh, Fran and I kind of head the band. Um, he's more of the spearhead than I am. It's mm-hmm. kind of our, our project. We've been doing that for 13 years now. And then I played with him in his uh, solo band, I guess you could call it, a left-handed second baseman. I played in that for like three years. And I play with extended family. Uh, they got like a couple of the owners of Three Heads. And then I also have uh, a Huey Lewis project that I do. Um, and then like some solo stuff here and there. Dude, it's funny. Like I, anytime I talk to a musician on this show, they always have at least like three <laughs> or four projects. Like down you know, so much. <laughs> I thought being in two bands in like 2007, 8, and 9, I thought that was risky being in two bands and now i guess the older you get and the more able you are to fluctuate between bands like i just i just love playing and it's not like i do it to to make money professionally but you know if you do want to make money professionally that's the only way to cut it in this town is to be in multiple projects Mm. but uh yeah the way it is now you know some projects have their their you know their their hot spots where they're on for a couple months and then you might take some time off you'll do another project then you'll come back you know that's kind of way the way it goes i guess have you played in any of those weird not weird per se but collaboration shows where maybe three heads brewing everybody comes in and plays an album for a one-time deal or any of the tributes anything like that i have done um and i was gonna mention something about that cool uh i've done a bunch i've done several and holy shit, was that really hard the first one you do? I can imagine, right? Uh, we did um, the three heads did a residency, I think, starting in 2018. I think they started their residency where they have an artist in. Well, you know what it is, but I'm explaining yeah. for the listeners. Yeah, artist a but, week, and uh, yeah, the, or the artist gets the whole month. The whole month. 
they book Thursdays, I believe it was for for the month. Yeah, then the whole idea was that you do something different every week, which is a lot of work, <laughs> right. especially when you have full time jobs too, and you know some people have kids and whatnot. Like it's a tremendous amount of effort. But the first one we did was Warren Zevon, um, and it was fantastic. But I didn't realize, I guess, you know how you listen to an album a hundred times and you think, you know, I know, I know that song. Oh yeah, that's easy. But then you gotta get on stage and hit the notes and play the notes and you think, oh, okay, well, what was that change there or whatever? And we've done a bunch of those now. We did, um, I did a Huey Lewis one. I did a, a band one, the Warren Zevon one. Uh, I was part of a, a small part of a Tom Petty one. When he passed away, we did one of those. The cool thing with those is, is that it really does. I understand people that have apprehension about just playing cover music. I, I can understand that. Some Most people don't care about that, but some people have griped about that. What I like is that I've never seen the music scene come together in a way outside of, the, like, with those tribute shows, you get such a mix of people who wouldn't normally play together. Sure. Um, and I think that's wonderful. That's part of the joy of playing in music is to build that community. And... I think it's pretty cool to do those shows, but it's definitely a shitload of work. Yeah. I mean, everyone knows the songs, right? You've got to pretty much be spot on or at least provide a good tribute. Right. Um, That's got to be anxiety and a lot of hard work to pull those off, huh? Yeah. You're not just mailing it in. (laughs) I, um, did you ever go to, you, you used to go to the Thursday nights, right? I've been to a bunch of them. Were you a fan of the tribute nights or? Yeah, without a doubt. Um, I was there for Cake. I that was, was a there good one. for Tom Petty. I was there yep. for the original Fleetwood Mac. Um, yeah, that was amazing. Three Heads Brewing, you know, I was there for a lot of things, right? Yeah. It's, it's incredible, you know. Thursdays was- wasn't always my hit night, but almost every Friday or Saturday, I'd always start at Three Heads Brewing because I could take off at 10 and go somewhere else as well. Right. There's something to be said for eight o'clock shows, man. Uh, that was just so nice. And then on Thursdays, they're done at 10. You're like, well, all right. I could still go catch another show if I want to, you know, via, you know, Flower City or Temple. Yeah. 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 I mean, we're we're recording this on a Wednesday night. Just yesterday, I went to Fairport Brewing Company on University. On university and they're Oh, the hosting- open mic. Yeah, they're doing an open yeah. mic that ends with a jam. The jam was the best part. It was like the jam was all the best people from the open mic on the same stage together. So it was pretty cool. Yes. Um, but that was on a Tuesday night for their capacity. They were pretty much full. Um, and to be honest, at my age and being so away from the music for an entire year, I like to just sort of sit back at eight, nine o'clock, not too late and relax and not have one of the one and two, two in the morning nights, but totally, totally. Did you ever go to, um, I've seen you with Johnny's right on the Thursdays when they used to do that. Hardly, hardly ever at Johnny's. You didn't use some. Okay. No, not much. I'm, I'm such a city kid that Johnny's was a little farther away. I know. Um, It's like two miles outside the (laughs) radio. Oh no. (laughs) But um, I was by foot a lot of the time, or I was hitching rides, so I I didn't. Oh, okay. 
the John, I mean, Corey Wong, for example, we were talking about Corey Wong with Matt the other week, but I know I met him. I was there that night at the Johnny's like, night. Yeah. Standing right next to him. That's awesome. Those nights are great because Johnny's is like, um, you got like Jimmy Grillo, John Sheffer, Dan Murky, like, um, I don't know, a bunch of other people, but it's just the talent there is just, just through the roof. And then on those nights where you get those people coming through Rochester that just show up, like that place is packed that night for Corey Wong. It was nuts. Yeah. Dude, the town we have in Rochester is really impressive. And it's people, it's not like they just got found. It's all these people that we've been working for 10, 15, some of them 20 years and going through when it wasn't a great music scene. But because people kept with it and because we have amazing venue owners and amazing people who go see music, it's like that trifecta that really like, I I mean, I don't think you would, I mean, it, I guess it's like, I don't know, maybe like going to Austin, but I think in a small city, I don't think you, I don't think you're going to find this type of music, the caliber of musicians here. Like it's astronomical, the amount of talent in this town. It, it's incredible. I, I feel like, there's a group of people you're a part of it that almost spearheaded this growth of like a huge music culture in the past 10 years. And this is where I'm just admitting my ignorance. I don't know many young bands. So if anyone has any young bands that I'm neglecting or haven't heard yet, let me know. Cause it almost <laughs> seems like nine, 10 years ago, a little bit longer actually is when I first really got into the music scene and a lot of the bands like Friday in America, like all Jimmy's projects, all the Dublin shows, these are like young bands just getting started. Yeah. And now all these musicians are incredibly seasoned. There's a lot of musicians that came after them that are incredibly seasoned. And my only question is who's the next big band? Cause I'm, my eyes are peeled. I'm listening for it. Right. Well, I remember like, uh, I think we had, the I think we played a show with the Honey Smugglers because we're buddies with them. Zach and Brian had set in on a bunch of our shows. I think Zach's on um, a couple of our albums. Mm. And I remember they're we're a little bit maybe like a decade older, so they're the generation behind. And I think they played before us. It was only like their second or third show, but like everyone knew that there was something special. Yeah, and I, think, I think like a year later we were playing it. I don't know if it's montage or flower city or something where we were opening up for them, you know, it is FIA and, you know, right, rightfully so that was, uh, they just had the talent, but it's, you, it's weird to see that evolve, to be in the yeah. scene for that long, to see that evolve and evolve in a good way. And that everyone's still like collaborating, but I mean, I don't know. It's just nice to see people put in that work ethic and then have it pay off and, in good ways, I guess. Yeah, as, as someone who doesn't really play music, it's tremendously humbling to be surrounded by so many great musicians. Um, but how have you seen the scene grow? You've been going to, you've probably been to more shows than anyone in Rochester. Like, how have you seen the scene develop over the last five, 10 years? Yeah, I mean, I was always going to Dublin and Dublin, obviously that was back in the dubstep days when EDM just made it big. Yeah. Thursday same, nights, Thursday nights, rip rock, 
Rip Rock. $2 Jameson, yes, yes, yes. It was wild. Um, I feel like it was a great introduction to music for a lot of the the younger people. I forget. I think it was called Blue Note or Blue Something. There was a bar right around the corner on Alexander that Haywa would play at all the time. And they were like all 18, 19. Blue Room. Blue Room. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'd go to Dublin. I'd go to Blue Room. And there was like this birth that it just continued to grow with the creation of Flower City Station, you know, later opening of Anthology, Three Heads Brewing having their own spot. Um, Tempo's been booking music for a while now. It's like it just continued to grow and grow and grow to the point where it's like, wow, there's so many incredible bands still here in Rochester. I again am asking the question because I'm I'm coming from a place of ignorance here. I'm not in on the younger scene anymore, right? So I'm curious, like, what's new and hot? I know, for example, before COVID hit, Photo City was throwing, like, raves and, like, crazy sold out like edm parties and shows and it seems like there's almost like a rebirth of that original dublin scene happening um okay i need feedback from from someone who goes to those but it seems like the the photo city was really popping off and i think it really has to do with like a rebirth of that more edm electronic music is very popular danny from photo cities who's awesome Great guy. Uh, I know he's put in, yeah, and they've put in a ton of effort and time to make that music venue just right. They're always tweaking it. He's he just wants to make it the best music club. And I know they it's you know with COVID and everything, but before that, I think they were hitting pretty hard about to really oh yeah find their their niche, you know. Um yeah, it would be interesting. I'm not as in tune um with younger bands. I did sound at Bug Jar. I used to sound at milestones from like 05 to 07, I think, cool. or 08. Okay. And then I did it at Bug Jar, just like something fun to do on the side, like one day a week. But I I think I worked Bug Jar like three, four, five years, something like that. But, you know, some nights, I most nights, I wouldn't know the band. if they're Obviously, if they're from out of town, I probably wouldn't know them. Some of the bands were terrible, but I saw a lot of cool shit there. Yeah. Like Colin Jones from Haywa. I remember him coming in with his dad when I think he was 16 <laughs> or 17. And I think I talked to him after the show. I was like, dude, you are going to be, you are the real deal. Like really great job. And he's, you know, so humble and he's so such an amazing player. And I, I got to see that at 16 or 17. And I don't know. It's cool seeing those types of things at those venues, even though you don't, like I didn't necessarily want to be doing sound at 11 o'clock on a Sunday night, but mm-hmm. if you are there, it is pretty cool to see those types of bands that roll through. Yeah. A great experience. Shout out to Colin. He's out in Nashville, Tennessee these days. I know. Moved there recently, I know. So. Yeah. Yeah. I'm hoping uh, maybe he can send up a guitar for us. Yeah. Yeah. He picked an been- interesting time to move to Nashville for sure. Yeah, without an interesting time to do anything these days, it seems like. You could just fill in the blank. Interesting time to fill in the blank. We can play Mad Libs, probably. Well, your podcast is blowing up. You have so many guests on here, which is wonderful. That's a great thing to do during this. That was a good idea by you for doing this during this time. I appreciate that. It's I 
I feel blessed. I feel blessed in the fact that we're staying together as a community so strong. I mean, I had quit doing the pod. I, I went like eight months without an episode. Then I had like two episodes and then I went like a year without an episode. I actually started in 2016. So it's been almost five years. It's been over oh, five okay. years. It's been almost six years. Um, but then that's when, awesome. I didn't know that. That's great. It's uh, oh my god! And if you listen to the first five ten episodes, <laughs> oh my god, I'm a completely different person. But that's a different story. Um, <laughs> long story short, I started the podcast again because of COVID, and I'm happy that I did because that was something that was kind of missing in my life. Yeah, that's one thing: going to the shows, staying out very late being very involved as a guest, there's a lot of, you know, losing sleep, drinking, commotion, yeah. but I wasn't really giving back to the community as much as I would have liked. And I like the podcast because it's just a great opportunity to give back and have good conversations um, with people like yourself. It's what it's all about. Well, my, my opinion, I think giving back means just going to those shows. I mean, when we played, um, that band set at uh, Gabby's place mm-hmm. up there. Uh, you know, you were live, like oh. streaming the show. Like no one, you know, you're not. No one paid you to do that. You just wanted to do that and put out a cool show. That's awesome. I think that's giving back and going to see all those shows, in my opinion. But also love the podcast. So, I mean, either I, of those I, ways are good things to to give back. I mean, situations like that. G- Gabby gave me a couple perks, so. I, I yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I definitely got some perks out of that one, but that was a great. Let's talk about that night. So you guys did an entire uh, tribute of the band. Yeah, we did, um, and that was one of the f- funner ones I've done because I knew some of those songs better, mm. and you can take a little bit more leniency with playing something like the band, um, like Warren Zevon's "Pretty Spot On." Like the band jams a lot, you know. A lot of people cover the band. Not a lot of people cover like straight Warren Zevon. A lot of that stuff's pretty straightforward and all that stuff. So that the band night was super fun. Yeah. Because um, Fran had done a night of the band in Joe Cocker when they did that Woodstock recreation at Love and Cuff. Did you go to that one? Um, no, but I heard a okay. lot about it. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I, I couldn't get to it either. Um, but yeah, the band night was fun. Um, we had uh, Dave Chisholm, who has been on your podcast. Uh, he was our keyboard player that night, and yeah, oh, that was huh. that was a great night. Yeah, that was awesome. That that was um, the Woodstock event, right? Yeah, that I was only supposed to go for a night, and we ended up staying the whole weekend because it was so fun. Yeah, I mean, shout shout out to Gabby Gogger and the G Lodge. Yeah. They're doing incredible stuff. She set that venue up where um, the entire lodge is completely remodeled. It's beautiful. Oh, yeah. Everything's landscaped, looks great, and it's actually a wedding venue now. Um, I saw that, yeah. It's a wedding venue and an Airbnb, which is an incredible use of the space where people can come have like a quiet, you know, small socially distance or with their friends and family night. Um, and it's in tip top shape. So I want her to continue with the weddings and the Airbnbs. It probably makes a lot of money, 
But when music opens up, I know she's going to have some festivals, and that's what I really want to see. And that's like another person like you that's just like a supporter of the scene that just likes to do whatever they can do to have fun with everything. Her dad was actually used to book our band at Sticky Lips. Oh, so yeah. I knew her dad years before I met her. Yeah. Uh, Darren's awesome. And I, you know, see it all the shows, party in the park, like, you know, uh, tie dye, tank top, no sleeves. Every time. Yeah. He loves it. Sweatpants, tie dye. Yeah. Just yeah. Ch- chilling out, ready to go. Just chilling. Yeah. <laughs> I love it, man. I, I wanna I wanna chill back and listen to some tunes because I know you sent me your I didn't realize your album was available for free. I don't know if you want everybody to know. Obviously oh, I encourage yeah. people to donate or purchase the album. However, both um is is do you have two Friday in America albums or is that just Yeah, myself? yeah our, our our third one is it been in production for about five years. So Okay. Uh, but, yeah, no, dude, it's definitely for free. That's uh we I was excited, out, man. We only play out like four times a year at this point, and we want to make each show count, but absolutely everything's for free. You can just go to, uh, just search Friday in America Bandcamp, and you can actually download everything as well. And the one of the two albums is on Spotify. The other one's going to get up there pretty soon, but yeah, 100% free. It's. A, I was excited. I downloaded both albums. I was listening beforehand. We've got two albums worth of tracks, so I want to at least play, you know, two, maybe three more. Um, and okay. you and I talked about playing Renaissance. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that song before we we put it on? Yeah, it's funny. I actually have a story about that, and you and cool. I didn't talk about this before. Cool. So uh, I was driving back from my cousin's wedding in like 2004. And I had a flip phone and I did not, I, I was, had these words in my head. So I pulled over on the side of the road. It was like from Ohio to New York. Yeah. I think I was just past Buffalo on like one of the back roads. Cause I was going back to Geneseo where I went to school and I'd written down these lyrics and I had a whole melody in my head, but I had no way to record it. So I called uh, my bandmate at the time in my college band, who was also the keyboard player in Friday America. Now my buddy Shane, and he didn't answer, so I just left him a voicemail and sang this song. I was like, please keep this, send it to me, you know, later so I could hear the melody. And that's how I wrote the song. And then it mm. was, you know, song, I played it some acoustic times, but then I brought it to the band and uh, everyone liked it. And we ended up putting it on the album, which was pretty cool. But so it was recorded hear. completely in, uh, uh, two, you know, 1995 Buick on the side of the road <laughs> on a voicemail. On a flip phone. On a flip phone, yeah. That's what I'm 100% talking about. 100% on a flip phone. Let's, let's listen to Renaissance. All right, bud. Got secrets I've stolen, lies that I've told, and they don't mean a thing. Broken glass between my toes, and see what tomorrow brings. Just a body of closing into my room, the cost is always free. All these lights are shining on me, and it's still too dark to see. Upstairs with clouds in the bed You won't be in it today 
Find your face at the bottom of my glass Another one down the hole Smile my face, turn from behind Stairs falling on my back A dollar and a dream for every loser with a scheme Headed down, down that path Every time I walk the streets at night Every time I walk alone The wind blows and it calls your name And it says you're Songs I sing in the wind it brings to wash away the rain. Never say that I'm coming in when I don't know where you've been. Take me where I've never been. Is this the best I'm going to get? Looking to the mirror, I can see your smile. Good stuff. Good energy on that one. Um, I, um, what's that? Oh, I was going to say, yeah, that was really fun. We It was like six years I sat on that song or eight years or something like that. It was cool to get it out there. Wow. Yeah, it, you were explaining, you know, you're just driving down, you're driving down the road. It comes to you, you pull over, you're recording in a flip phone. Is that where is that the story behind a lot of your songs? Like where does the inspiration 
come to you? Are you the kind of guy that sits down and writes a song or does it just come to you out of the blue when you're in the shower or on the road? Or tell me a little bit about that music, music creation process, what it looks like for you. Yeah. Sometimes it hits like if usually if I'm just at the practice space with myself or maybe one other person, I might hit something, but more often than not, it's either me just uh, playing music by myself and experimenting with different chords and just kind of find something that's cool. Maybe I'm in the mood to not play along to something. I just want to write my own stuff and I end up finding this cool chord progression and I really dig. But a lot of times me and I will go just write something like I've, you know, disappeared a bunch of times at work and gone outside or like in the stairwell to record something that I hear and I'll, you know, the voice memo on the iPhone is such a wonderful thing. I have so many of those. Um, but the, like I wrote a song the other week out of a dream and I've never done that before. Like I heard these different voices, like a Johnny Cash voice and this soul singer voice. And I wondered if it was, I live in the city, so I didn't know if it was music from outside, but I woke mm. up and I was like, oh, that's in my head. That's never happened before. That was the first one. And you, so, were, you were able to remember it enough to actually translate it to, to a song? Yeah, I was able to remember the chords, and then I just made up the words with whatever I thought went along with those chords. Uh, but sometimes it's the lyrics first that I have a melody, and I'll just be thinking of something like, I don't know, you know, like if your brain just goes on like repeat sometimes and you can't get something out of your head, that's just like the way to get it out of the head, it's, you know. Put it put it down on paper or recorded it or something like that. I love that. It, it's interesting. I'm not a scientist or an expert on this, but to my understanding, when you dream, it's nearly impossible for there to be images and ideas and literally like images and sounds that you haven't heard before. It's not like you see faces you've never seen. It could literally be your subconscious is picking up a face that you saw in a crowd one day and you, you can't recognize where they came from. But to my understanding, your dreams are completely unique in that regard, not unique to your experience. It's not like creative gibberish that you make up on the spot. So when you heard that music in your dream, is there a probability that you had heard it somewhere or wrote it somewhere in your past and you were just reliving that something that you just wrote years ago. Who knows? I mean, right? there's a, there's with, with, with this specific one, there's a lot of similarities with the three influences that came from that. Hmm. But I, but I, you know, I mean, like you could hear a song at Wegmans on like a Tuesday and it might not hit you till like two weeks later. And then, <laughs> you know, you dream something up and you're like, Oh, maybe it was that like, I don't, it's weird to not know where it came from. That was, it was a very bizarre experience. And I've, I've told a bunch of my buddies that I play music with this because I'm honestly intrigued by it because it's, that's never happened before. I've never like, usually when I wake up, I don't remember what I dream. Like, I don't, like I immediately grabbed the guitar and wrote this thing. And I, you know, Wow. Maybe it's good. Maybe it's not. Who knows? But it is what it is. And I wrote it and it's, uh, you know. It's there to stay. When um, do you have anything new coming out? Anything you're working on specifically? I want to hear this song now. But in general, like, how's the past year been treating you? It it's not been easy on anyone. You know, uh, it's 
I've actually been super creative in the last year. Um, I started playing a lot of music with my friend Jackson Rick, who was in the Filthy McNasties. You might remember them from the Dublin days or like a blues rock band. Mm. Uh, he was my, my neighbor for a while and we became really good friends. And then we just started, he was one of the few people I was able to hang out with during quarantine. So we started running a lot of stuff and actually I've written a ton of shit in the last year, which is cool. It kind of dropped off in the summer a little bit, but in the winter, I was still going full tilt. I would go to the practice space every week and just work on something. And sometimes the song would happen. Sometimes it wouldn't. Um, but I went in the studio this summer and recorded this song. Uh, I went to the green room with Matt Rammerman mm-hmm. and I sent him an acoustic version of a song I'd written about uh it's called wheeling it's about wheeling west virginia i went there on like a work trip with a friend and i sent it to chris meeker who plays bass in moving mountains and a bunch of other bands and i booked time at the studio and just told the guys to learn the song and we didn't practice it until we showed up at the studio at 10 <laughs> okay. 10 30 on a friday night and it, it turned out really well so i'll be uh. cutting that soon and hopefully i'll be uh releasing the song I, I just wrote a couple of weeks ago uh, as well. So my, my goal was to have a solo uh, solo band project this year. Uh, I had, had everything mapped out, but, you know, like everything else, it all got canceled. Is it when you say solo band project, is it going to be like Ben Rossi band? Like you're the, you're the main guy. It's, I don't know. Have you ever had a project where you were that, that lead dude? I mean, you can no. play guitar, you can sing, you can write. There's no reason why you couldn't. Right. Yeah, no, I definitely, I definitely can. I just didn't know if I wanted that. And then I have enough material or orange set. And cool. I play a little bit of piano too, so I can incorporate that in there. Um, so yeah, the band name is called waiting for the moon. I have cool. I have it all figured out. I just, I was hopefully going to get started this year with it. Um, I've always been interested in that after doing so many things as a band project, I kind of did want to have my own thing, but for years I wasn't interested in that because it's, it's a lot of work to be the band leader. It's going to be cool once things are mostly back to normal so many people are starting so much music and it's just like, Oh my God, it's just going to be an outburst of creativity we've got going on here. Right. Do you think it's going to be overloaded where on a Thursday night in Rochester, we're going to have five different shows all at the same time. I hope it is. That'd be a great problem to have. It would be a great problem to have. (laughs) Um, I'll be the first to say, you know, I've always, when you go to multiple shows a week, you need to consider cover charge. You get drinks at the bar. It can add up. Oh, yeah. That being said, any $5 cover should be 10 from now on. Any $10 cover should be 15 or 20 I, I, I'm excited to see music. So I'm hoping for an overload of opportunity. I'll fork out more cash. I'm just ready for things. And I've... I, I was at Fairport Brewing the other day, as as we said. I've been over to Flower City Station, um, been over to Temple, uh, but very small, very small, you know, get-togethers. And I'm just excited for those big shows with the tributes and multiple bands. And I encourage 
we wait until we're ready socially with the virus going on. But I couldn't be any more ready in terms of just eagerness to to get back to that. Right. A hundred percent. Would Yeah. So I'm playing at Temple uh, in Friday, March 26th, uh, courtesy of you. Funny fact is that Michael O'Leary, who owns Temple, I mm-hmm. used to work with him. He was the owner at Milestones when I first did sound professionally in 2005 to 2008. He was like wow. the owner. So him and I go way back. So it's real fun. I played at uh, Temple before. It's a fun place to play. And I can't believe I actually have the opportunity to play there again. I'm so excited. Yeah, that, that'll that be ton. Temple's back with music on Fridays for anyone who doesn't know. It's small, you know, one or two people uh, a night. But yeah, with Flower City's back, Temple's back. Three Heads has been doing all sorts of fun live streams. And yeah, that which has been super cool during the interim here. Yeah, I've done a couple of those. We did a Friday in America one for Homegrown, and then mm-hmm. we just recorded one last week for the St. Patrick's Day one that they're they're putting out. Um, and that's oh, I with didn't ex- know about extended that. Fam- yeah, that's with Extended Family. It's on the Saturday of whatever St. Patrick's Day would be in Rochester, which is the 12th or 13th. Um, and that's with like f- three or four bands and a bunch of solo artists too. Cool. Um, so that was, that was interesting to play with a live only to play for the live stream, not an audience. That's I've never had that happen before. It was it was a really unique experience. Is can who do I have to poke to be part of the background in the live stream? It, it's basically no one there, right? You're just filming. Right, right. They're no closed. live audience. It's, yeah, yeah. It's on Sunday nights after business hours. Mm-hmm. But I will say, uh, I did the one thing I did want to talk about because is you and I mentioned before that the bands have all kind of grown up together and progressed and all that stuff in the last five, 10 years and helped make the scene and everyone's gotten better, but also the, the engineers and the, the sound and video guys like, you know, uh, Hakeem and Matt Rammerman, like Dan Gross doing videos, Zach Dumries, Adrian, Kevin Santoro, like, all those guys are so dialed in with their sound and they have such a dedication to whatever venue they work with. That's part of the whole experience. Matt Guineri at, uh, and Willie O'Reilly at uh, Love and Cup, like those guys just focus on that venue. And I don't know, it's like everyone just kind of quit all the bullshit and everyone kind of focuses on their venue and they have a couple people that work really well and they just stick with it. And it, as you know, you've seen all those shows. Like, how amazing is the sound at Flower City? Yeah, you just you just opened something up that I I think I had neglected myself. Even I mean, if you to give like a baseball analogy, the catcher every time the pitcher throws the ball, the catcher catches the ball. So if the catcher can't catch the ball, it's a complete mess of a game. Your team stinks, but no one really pays any attention to the catcher. And to how hard it is to do that job over and over and over and over. Potentially the hardest job imaginable. And there's a lot of compliments that are deserved about um, the way that venues treat bands, the way the audience is receptive to music. Um, But an intangible that isn't talked about enough is how darn good shit sounds 
at the venues in Rochester. And I think that's something beyond, oh, a little bit of customer service or, ooh, we had a good crowd. Bands like to play at Three Heads, Flower, these venues, because the sound's so darn good that they sound great. Like, I, I don't know why I hadn't, th- I had thought of that, but it's something that I think we neglect here. And I appreciate you bringing it up because the engineer, engineers here in Rochester are incredible. And I, that, I think it was taken for granted in, bef- mm. you know, 10 years ago. I don't, there were different people who did sound. Some were great, some weren't, whatever, that's fine. But each venue has just, just like a lot of the bands, they've grown with the times and have kept that level of professionalism just up, up, up. Like Kevin Santoro, I think he might sleep at the board at Power <laughs> City. I don't know yeah. if he has an apartment. He might sleep there. He's he's at every show. Right. And it sounds amazing. You walk time. into Three Heads, like those guys know their shit and they're so good. And a lot of those guys also are musicians too, which is even cooler. Mm-hmm. But like the level that we get in this town has gone up so much. Uh, one of my bandmates, Shane, comes in from Syracuse, and it's just not the same music climate there. And I, I assume that will continue post COVID. I don't see it not continuing. But every venue in town seems to employ the best people that they can possibly get. You know. Like you've been out to Lincoln Hill Farms, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's an awesome place, and Hakeem is is out there, and you know they just everyone I think values the value of sound and the value of good good people to do that because you can have a great band, but if you're not going to hire someone who cares about it, it's just why bother? Like, yeah, it's. It's easy, and I'm not actually going to throw anybody under the bus live recording an episode here, but I've been to venues. um, I've seen sound engineers at certain venues that the sound actually stinks. I've experienced it in Rochester before. I've experienced it all over the region where the sound really stinks, and you only seem to notice when the sound's bad, but when the sound's good, 98% 98% of the time in Rochester, like that's a really good sign. It is a good sign. And I know for being a sound guy that you don't get any compliments at all when it's great. The moment it sucks, you'll hear about it. <laughs> we just, right. We've played before with sound guys and just, you know, walked outside to smoke a cigarette in the middle of our set. And it's like, you know, that that doesn't happen nowadays. At least here, I don't know. I don't. I don't play anywhere outside of Rochester at this point. But yeah, I think we have a great, a great, cohesive community between sound people and venue owners and musicians and fans and supporters of music. You know, all that stuff. I think makes everything roll together as one. Yeah, it'd, it'd be cool if this all goes down in history. We we. Rochester music scene, my entire life of memory of it's just been so incredible. And my goal is it gets even better. However, I'd be cool with us going down in history as well as like some of some of the best ones. Hell yeah. I do have to ask you a question, Ben. I'm gonna put you on the spot. Do you play any instruments? Not very well. Okay. I've dabbled, like I can get by on guitar, I can get by on drums, sorta bass sorta i 
dabble with like didgeridoo and percussive instruments. I love to be a part of it. Um, I've always loved the festival community. I like being hands-on. That's why I like percussion because it is very hands-on. Um, but I save the chord progressions, melodies, and the cohesion for the people that really knock it out of the park like you. Yeah. You're a late night kitchen jam at two thirty in the morning. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That's perfect. Absolutely. I love that. But it is something I've been neglecting. I, I don't play much. And that's one thing I take my hats off my hat off. Like in order to be good, it requires work. It requires dedication to to really get your chops where where people want to hear you play. So congratulations right. on that. Thank you. It's uh you know, it's a lot of practice, but at the same point, I <laughs> I get the fortunate experience to play with some people in Rochester who could easily go anywhere in the world and make a living at professional music. And I have the ability to play with them in my hometown because they're happy here and they don't, you know, they want, they just want to play here. And I get to experience playing with those people. Holy shit. Is there some talent in this town? It's unbelievable. I, um, I want to listen to your band's talent. We'll play another track. Um, Cool. I have six and counting queued up. Is that a good one? Uh, I think so. Yeah, it's one I wrote. <laughs> so that's one you wrote. wrote do you, do you sing own. on that one too? I do. Yeah, I wrote that on a lunch break from work. Uh, <laughs> I was okay. living in the studio apartment in Portsmouth, and I wrote that song in like ten minutes. I had like a thirty-minute lunch break, and I went home to ate lunch, and I just happened to write the tune, and and, and there it is. Just to bust your balls a little bit, I want to hear the stories of all the songs you've wrote. Like, I wrote it in the car on a flip phone. I wrote it on my lunch break at work. I I wrote it in my dream the other day. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, weird shit happens. I don't know. I figure if you know, I have so many goddamn voice memos. If I there's so many that I don't have songs for, but sometimes shit works out. Uh. The, the, yeah, this was one of those too. <laughs> Let's check it out. Six and All right, counting. Bud.
Rochester Groovecast podcast. Head over to Facebook, like Rochester Groovecast, and mark our page as C first to keep in touch with everything new. Now back to the show. Another fun one. Did I did I hear a tuba at the end? What was that? Trombone. Trombone. So that is a. Uh, I moved into. Geneseo dorm room in 98 and I was a freshman but we were on the north campus with all these sophomores and I live next to this band called uh, the Blackouts like a ska band Geneseo they were like pretty big at the time they 
opened up for a bunch of national acts and shit. And I, they were like the first band that I really saw a ton. And I got to be really good friends with a bunch of those guys who are like the nicest dudes. And one of those guys ended up coming to Rochester and working with uh, Fran Broderick of Friday in America. And he played the trombone. So he does a lot of backing vocals. Mm. He recorded that whole album. That was all done in our practice space. Like not. Oh, wow. Not a studio that was all done with like, you know, sure SM 57s and, you know, everything was done live, but he was a, a trombone player, which is cool. I love so, that. And by the way, I, I was, I was lurking in, we're live on Facebook, obviously anyone who's listening a year later or whenever, um, lurking into the stream and you're getting a lot of love man um one question that came up was nice. where people can see friday in america what you have on on the books you you had mentioned temple um do you remember the date i don't have it memorized so i'm so playing temples with for you temples me i i'm in a couple bands so okay. the band extended family that i'm in uh is playing the Saturday stream of uh, St. Patrick's Day, which I think it's March 12th, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, so Friday in America just played at the homegrown thing. Cool. So and that stream still still live, I imagine. You just go. To- oh yeah, it's it's everything's on YouTube. Awesome. And those those guys did, man, they did an amazing job. Uh, Matt Ramron, Dan Gross, Hakeem, and Zach Dumries, like. They had multiple cameras and everything. It was really wow. wild to play, to play just the the stream show. It was pretty cool to do that. I didn't think I didn't think it would be that much fun, but it was. I would much rather obviously play with the crowd, but if you can't, you know, it's the next best thing. Yeah, I mean that's that's great for your press kit. Multiple angle show. <laughs> My press kit. <laughs> you got you got the VIP local, treatment. Local musician doesn't want to play out of Rochester, New York. <laughs> <laughs> have you have you guys traveled outside of the region at all, or, or not quite as much? Uh, my my college band did quite a bit. Uh, Friday in America, we used to play down in New York City uh, huh. a few times a year. I had this in with my band in college at this club called um, the Lions Den. And we used to play in New York City quite a bit. Uh, the lead singer, Fran, is from down there. So we used to pack the place. Mm. And it was awesome. But I, I don't know if you've ever seen like a show in a club in New York or, or been part of the crew. Like you get in at eight, eight o'clock. Your sound checks at eight fifteen. You know you're done at like eight fifty five. Like it is like clockwork down there. Wow. Yeah, they don't mess around. Like you are like, ex- they pay you exactly the amount of people who are there to see you. They like pull everybody. It, it's very interesting to play down there. Huh. But we had a good time, and we kind of always treated it as like a band vacation for a weekend. Yeah. Like I think we we probably broke even after we, you know, had a rent a car that could take all of us or you know hotels or whatever it was that we did but it was really fun to play in new york city we haven't done it in quite some time and i would love to get back there we'd always play in like the village um like the west village or east village cool so much talent down there yeah yeah where else um two-part question do you have any favorite places to play maybe like a 
just a moment or a festival or a place that was really special to you? And the second part of the question is like a bucket list. If if you could play anywhere where that dream venue would be, you know, but let's start sure. with reality. Reality. Okay. Uh, I mean, it was, it's always fun getting booked at like the local festivals we got to play lilac fest one year that was cool albeit it was like 55 and rainy so mm, you know one of those i was still there i imagine at 55 and rainy you probably that's, were it's my kind of weather man i, right. I don't care <laughs> i saw eddie money and i think it was 43 and snowing on a sunday okay. <laughs> in may <laughs> in may um i don't know we played uh Jazz Fest was cool, but I would personally, I like the more intimate settings. I just feel me personally, I do better with those. Um, so I don't know. We did our, our 10 year Friday in America reunion at Flower City. Um, and as I mentioned before, obviously the sound there is spectacular. And if I just wink or nod it, Kevin, he knows exactly what to put in the monitors or anything like that. Wow. <laughs> you know, some of those Dublin shows were just absolutely bonkers. Uh, those were really fun. Um, and in college, I went to Genseo, like I mentioned. We used to play a lot of the Statesman. Um, my band had like a, a final show, which wasn't really the final show, but that was really cool. We had like two, three hundred people in a really small bar. Just all rocking out. Packed that was, in, rocking out. Yeah, that was kind of the moment where it realized to me that music can actually have an impact, you know, in, in a community sense, mm-hmm. like that. It can be mind blowing. Yeah, it's, it's sometimes you think little old me with my little old hobby, and then you go to shows that are packed houses. Everybody's singing along. Everybody's having a good time. Everyone's hugging and just spending time together start to realize we're onto something pretty good, I think, you know? Yeah. And that's how I grew up. I didn't start playing out till I was like 21 in college. And I grew up in that community aspect and I've kind of always done that. I really have no desire to not play in that community aspect. So I appreciate that. And I don't care if there's, I'd rather play for 10 people who are really into it than like Mm. 500. I'm not the kind of person that does better when there's, you know, 6,000 people there. I'd rather play to what I know is people are really into. Yeah. There's Um, an intimacy in that. Yeah. And it's kind of cool, which is like why I love that. I'm going to play the temple gig on March 26. Um, I play several times here at Blossom road pub. Awesome. uh, Cause Drew, the owner was the owner of double end. And I just really like those intimate things where we just sit in the corner of the bar and just get to play our stuff for a couple hours with no, you know, you don't need to charge people at the door. We can just play what we want. Like I kind of like that type of setting too. Mm. Yeah. Well, Hey, if anybody wants to come to a free show, see Ben play temple bar and grow and every Friday ongoing, there's going to be music there. I always say like, and this is anything in life. As long as you're supporting live music, as long as you're out supporting someone, I'm happy. But I encourage you to support Ben specifically on that evening because he's got a great name. So you'll support two Bens. 
Yeah, absolutely. Ben squared, right? One of the best, uh, I don't know where I read this a few years ago when I kind of like recommitted to doing, to going to a bunch of shows. Um, I got un- unmarried, so single again and everything. And I was like, why am I not going to all these shows? I should do that. And like, if you read like articles about like young musicians, like I wasn't young at the time, but like, how do you get people to your shows or what do you want to do to get people to your shows? How do you get involved? And it's like, go see live music. And I go see it just because I love it. But like, man, does that pay off in dividends that you can't even possibly comprehend? The connections you make at those shows, the friends you will meet, the opportunities you have to play with musicians later. Like, you know, if you ever had to give like one piece of advice to a young musician, it's like go see live shows. Mm. I love that. It, it's yeah. spot on. It's spot on. It's it's like anything in life. There's so much you can learn at home, reading books, with education. But a total tangent, I'm not against people going to college, especially if they want to be an attorney, they want to be a doctor, they want to be something like that. But overall, if you're just going to college in this day and age for no reason and you're just partying – Maybe it isn't the best choice because of the, the the cost involved. But the reason this tangent came into play is the best thing you'll get out of college is social experiences, networking opportunities, a network uh, that will be with you the rest of your life. And again, I don't encourage college personally, but same thing with the music scene. I don't care if you're in college, out of college love music, incredible musician, just like to see it once in a while. If you become part of the music scene, you'll get tangible relationships. It's free. All you got to do is pay the cover and you get tangible relationships and experiences that it's hard to get anywhere else. So music's my college these days, I guess you can say. Yeah, I totally get that. I don't think that anyone needs to go to college. I think you have that experience to like live on your own and figure out you know like i didn't need this but like i don't know like figure out how to like cook for yourself or whatever pay bills all that stuff i think that's good life stuff but uh learn how to make ramen soup (laughs) learn how to make ramen right (laughs) but like going out to shows and stuff like a lot of my friends in the music community are people i would play out with but also have become some of my good friends right and, and and you know that is you don't have to play music. You can be in that scene with like that that works on all aspects, whether you're a venue owner, a music fan, a music player, it does not matter. Like, I mean, how many how many people in your social network are into the music scene? Probably ninety-five percent. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, like everyone. <laughs> everyone, right. Yeah. And it is all cyclical, like it. If you're an incredible musician, it really stinks if you have no one to play for. And that's why it doesn't matter if you've never picked up an instrument in your life. If you can be a body at that show supporting the band, cheering them on, and telling your friends, bringing more people in, it's all a cyclical relationship that makes it work with the bands, the fans, the connections, the great venue owners, there's a great sound guy. You know, even if you're just, I was saying earlier and you kind of called me out on just showing up is 
something. I wanted to do something more than just showing up because I just felt so much like a, a consumer that I'd consume, consume. I wanted to give back. I think the podcast is a good way to give back. Um, but what you kind of pointed out earlier and what I'm realizing is just showing up and being a supportive body that's like live and experiencing the moment and sharing good energy and supporting the band that's a win in itself. Like it's, that's something Rochester's great at. And that's why everybody knows each other. Cause there's so many people just like that. Right. Right. Like the only reason that you and I know each other is going to all those shows together. Yeah. Like not even together, just happenstance. Well, separately, but other. together. Yeah. yeah. But you know what I've realized too, is that a lot of times after I will get out of a show or I'll be hanging out at the friend's house or something with someone who was at a show that maybe like yourself, like can play some guitar or some banjo or whatever, all of a sudden they feel inspired to go pick up that instrument and tell me about the song they wrote. And this has happened so many times to me. And then I'll start jamming with that person. I'm like, dude, become part of the scene that's awesome like that's good yeah. like when you when you go see any live music you get inspired and you bring your ideas home and so many people have shared that with me and that is what this whole thing is all about which i find fulfilling is like a life like it fulfills my life to see that community around me and if people don't play whatever that does not matter but it is also cool when people bring that that opportunity to you and you see that I love it. I um, I could chat with you all night. You're another Ben. I like that. But I, I want to hit you with some of just the closing stuff. And I have one closing question that I've been asking everybody. Okay. Um, started it last year. We're going to run it for some time this year. Um, and it's a thought experiment. We haven't actually created the time capsule yet. But imagine we have the opportunity to create a time capsule going to put it somewhere in the ground. We're going to store it. Everything's going to make it for another 2,000 years. 500,000, 2,000, 5,000 years from now, someone's going to open up that time capsule and we'll have put that together in like 2020, 2021, 2020, 2021. That's so many 20s. We'll so many 20s. 2020, 2021, we'll have this all put together. Um, so obviously COVID is relevant at this time. However, 2000 years from now, maybe it won't be that relevant. So it could have something to do with COVID doesn't have to, but you have the opportunity to contribute a maximum three items, you know, three items or less to this time capsule. And the only thing that I really have to tell you is it has to be tangible. It can't be a thought in your head because I don't know how to, I don't know how to preserve a thought in your head. So tangible items, large or small, what would you contribute to this time capsule we're building and why would you choose what you choose? Number one would be garbage plate. Okay. Cause I heard, heard today that Nick Tahoe's might be selling and that's a favorite of mine. And I feel like the way that food is, if we wrap it up 2000 years from now, it'll probably still be good. Yeah. <laughs> put, a little hot, put a little hot sauce on there. Um, is it anything I want to choose? Yeah, why not? Could even be yourself if you want. 
put myself in a time capsule. I hadn't thought of that one until right now, but if you could choose anything, you might as well just throw yourself in there too. <laughs> I think I would choose DVDs are probably not going to be relevant in 2000 years, but I feel like any type of video footage from music in the late nineties up until COVID obviously. So like the last 20 years, I think that would be pretty cool. So people could see how people, how the music experience has grown, you know, like there was a handful of festivals 20 years ago. Now there's like 10,000 music festivals or whatever it is. Insane. I think that would be pretty cool to see in 2000 years to look back and see how people thought that that was the cool thing, you know, uh, everything's getting more virtual now and live streaming, which in this for the last year, I, you know, obviously that's wonderful. Uh, but I just, I want, I would like people to know about the live experience that people shared once upon a time together without electronics involved. I love that. Yeah. And there's so much, this makes, what would you put it? I uh, oh, don't make me answer that one. I'm supposed to ask the tough questions. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. I, I mean, I'd probably put myself in just because I put think that'd be, that that'd be a fun concept to travel five thousand years in time. Um, I've heard, I've had a couple people mention, you know, photographs or videos, and and I like that because who knows with VR and automated realities and everything being virtual, what life will look like and just the concept of someone holding a you know their phone up and, <laughs> yeah. and, and recording a shitty audio live segment hold, of something versus what it's gonna or, look like or holding up a photograph you know mm -hmm. who has photographs these days i was trying to think big picture and not personal like more like humanity what would humanity yeah, who, see i don't know i think that would be cool yeah why would you hold a camera when you can just take pictures with your eyeballs right exactly ben <laughs> that's where it's gonna go <laughs> that's where it's gonna go <laughs> but um dude it, it's good talking with you we haven't even touched on it yet like how do people get in touch um stay in tune with all your events coming up stay in tune when some of these new tracks get officially released uh, yeah so if anyone if anyone wants to follow me i guess uh, the only reason I had Facebook to begin with was for music stuff. So I post stuff on there under my personal page. It's just Ben Rossi on Facebook, I think. Um, I am playing at Temple. Uh, was it March 26th? Friday, March 26th? I'll look it up real quick. I booked you for that show, and I don't know you the did. date. So. It only a 90, I only had to pay you 90% of commission for that, which isn't bad. March 26th. You were going to give me 90%? I'll, you can take 90. I'll take your two drink tickets. That sounds, fair. <laughs> that sounds more reasonable. Yeah, I actually have already been working on stuff. I'm excited to play again. Uh, it's Jesus. It's been over a year, which in the 20 years I've been playing out live, I've probably never went more than a month without playing out for people. Hmm. So I'm very excited for this and I've already been working on the set list. So I think it'll be fun. And that's so, a really fun place to play music. And they're always super supportive of everyone. Um, 
And I'm sure it's going to be a good time. And you could stop over at Flower City before and have some plates. Mm -hmm. Those guys do a bang up job too. There's the St. Paddy's Day. We didn't dive in. Let's touch on Extended Family because we name dropped Extended Family a few times. uh, But we didn't really introduce the band. And some people might not know and might want to see that stream on St. Paddy's Day. Sure. So I'm in uh, a few projects. Uh, One of my main ones is Extended Family. And we are playing uh, on, it is Saturday, March 13th. Um, and that's uh, with Jeff Dale and Todd Durbel from Three Heads. And uh, Woody, who's also the drummer in Moving Mountains. Um, Trevor plays guitar. Our singers, Allison and Aaron. Um, Rick plays acoustic guitar. And uh, they've been around for like, I think, 15 years. Uh, but we just kind of refined our sound since cool. I joined in the last couple of years. Um, and it's, it's rock, rock music. But really fun, like full body, a lot of sing-along, a bunch of originals. Um, and they're doing a St. Patrick's Day uh, live stream where you can buy a package. And you Isn't get there life. like beer and food and you can get the whole shabam? Yeah, it's similar to the homegrown thing. You can get like, I don't know exactly what it is, but I'm sure there's like an Irish meal and a you know four pack or eight pack of beer and all that stuff. And you can get the live stream. And there's like four full bands and then I think four, six acoustic acts or something that play throughout the day. Wow. It was it should be pretty fun. I did I tuned into the homegrown thing because this was the first year that we couldn't do homegrown. So I watched it from my couch. Did you did you watch that at all? I haven't yet. Okay. Re- regrettably so i i've seen footage of it and been like wow this is like incredible it was fun bad. i just couldn't go uh i couldn't go missing a homegrown this year it's been so long we played everyone so i couldn't i couldn't miss it this year Ever- but it was much different than being around a thousand people you've played every single homegrown yeah oh because it us and, Mo- what, what, us what, and moho collective we played everyone yeah so this was the it was the 10th year, but they called it nine and a half. But yeah, we've been lucky enough right. to play everyone. Hey, congratulations on that. That's incredible. Homegrown. If anybody doesn't know Homegrown, it's the least socially distant thing ever. Yes. That being said. Yeah, it is the least socially distant <laughs> thing ever. Once it's open again, like over a hundred vendors, beer, food, all oh, local eats, drinks, the best live music you can imagine. Like, weirdest time of year for it because it's very cold but it's packed in so you keep warm you've got music you get a little tipsy you have fun and you see friends so i'm looking forward to those events again i'm not a scientist i don't know what's gonna happen but even with the claustrophobia i would do anything to go to a homegrown again without concern you know (laughs) me too me too well dude i want to thank you very much for having me on the Groovecast. And I, I do want to ask you one question before I leave. What was your uh, idea behind the Groovecast? I don't think I ever asked you that. I mean, I know you love music, but you have all sorts of different people on here. So we're just trying to bring the community together to expand the musical horizons of people you like. Like, what was your goal for having the podcast? Sure. I don't think that it was very deep or well thought out it was a simple (laughs) 
it was so <laughs> simple. And and if you listen to like the beginning episodes, I would carry around a you know a portable recorder, and I'd record oh, okay. live, and then I'd sometimes pull over and leave voice memos in your car, that type of thing. Basically, I mean, I, I for example, there'd be weekends where I see five, six bands and I would record all the bands and just turn it into like an episode. And there wasn't really interviews back then. It was more just me running around Rochester sloppily recording <laughs> things. But I mean, at the end of the day, I had fallen in love with podcasts, which it blows my mind that it was like over five years ago now that I fell in love with podcasts and I love the local music scene. Falling in um, love, you mean listening to the podcast? Yes. Listening to pod, just podcasts in general. Um, I just love the medium. I was driving a lot at work. I always listened to podcasts. There wasn't a music podcast. I loved podcasts. I loved the Rochester scene. The whole just follow your passion, niche up kind of advice. I was like, okay, let's start a music podcast. Best case scenario. I get into places for free. Worst case scenario, <laughs> right, right. worst case scenario, I'm doing something fun and I'm creating something tangible because I started to feel regret and a little self-esteem issues in the fact that I was going out a lot and I was partying a lot and I didn't feel like I was contributing. And I believe if you're going out three times a week, at some point, you should be carrying gear. You should be booking bands. Supporting is the start. And anyone who has a stressful job and just wants to go to a show and chill, I'm on your side too. But I hit a point where I'm just like, I want to do something in addition to just being there in the audience. And a little bit more than going out and just grabbing a beer. A little, yeah, go out, grab a beer, and just bring a portable recorder and sloppily set it up. So it's basically the same experience anyways. So. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Um, well, I would like to say from all the musicians and everyone else, I've, I've known of you for so long, and I just really appreciate what you do, man. And I know a lot of my buddies do as well. So uh, I think it's awesome that you do this, and it's super cool. I appreciate that. And uh, I appreciate you you having me on, man, and I couldn't support it. Or I can't wait to go back and listen to everything now that I've downloaded the app. Dude, that's one thing that's, again, crazy about podcasts is some episodes have more listens than others, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. This has been going on for five years, and you'll be able to access this 20 years from now. And I just have this like weird hope that like 15 years from now, people are going to be listening back to like Rochester history conversations. And um, I was the one asking the questions. I didn't do anything all that special, but well, this is scrolling like through it today, documenting it. Yeah. There's so many awesome people on there. Like so many people I've played with or know. And I'm just like, Oh shit. Oh shit. Like it's fantastic. dude. I can't wait to go and listen to it. And, and I'm not going to ask you to tell me now, cause I don't want to put anyone on the spot and have them not want to come on, but offline, you need to give me a list of names that you want on because we're getting to, a point where I told I... someone today, I do nice. have a name for you. Cool. Well, to, well yeah, I'll tell you. <laughs> just, just so we don't, f I'm, I'm getting to a point where, um, 
the podcast kind of just runs itself. You know, if you have any recommendations, yeah. I'd love to bring them on and have a conversation because um, I think it was Amanda Ashley who asked me on her show, Afternoon Cocktail. She's doing awesome things in the music scene. Her talk show is great. But Amanda Ashley asked me, I was nearing 100 episodes when she asked the question. She's like, you're near 100. Um, is there going to be a hundred more? Or she asked like, you know, if I'm ever going to run out of people to talk to and I can't do the math, but to my understanding, there's at least thousands of musicians in Rochester, if not tens of thousands. And then you look at the Buffalo scene and the Syracuse scene and then the Albany scene. If I run out of people to talk to, I guess my work's done, but I don't see that ever happening. It also Pivot too. When we start having live music rolling through town, you get some like national acts or someone like that, and maybe it's not an hour, an hour and a half. Maybe it's twenty minutes. And you yeah. just have a podcast interview. That'd be awesome, dude. That'd be yeah. so cool. Like all the people who play Jazz Fest or Lilac or C Mac, any of those people. I think it's a really good idea. Yeah, and everyone's more comfortable with Zoom now, where. All they need to do is give me 15 minutes to record with me, and then I'll help promote that event when they come to town. So right. it's a great idea. No brainer. Who doesn't like talking about themselves, Ben? Me. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, you don't. <laughs> I do and I don't, but I, I want to end it on a high note with more music to close out. Um, sure. The last thing I had cued here was Drifting. When I was kind of just like listening to the album real quick, this one stood out. And I I want to give you the torch to kind of introduce this song and what your thoughts on Drifting is or are. Cool. So uh, that's a song. I think Fran wrote the song. I don't think I had any part of the song. He wrote mm-hmm. that. And Amanda Lee Pierce. Uh, oh, is that who's singing? Okay. Yep. She's the female voice on that. Cool. Uh, the guitar solo was done in my kitchen table at my the apartment I rented, like all via, you know, it wasn't through an amp or anything. It was all done at my kitchen table. It was, again, home recorded, home produced, all that stuff. Uh, but that's a that's a wonderful song. That's one of my favorites. Awesome. So it's got a great, great soul, soul line. And Amanda is amazing. And uh, friends, lyrics are outstanding. Just love it. We're going to close it out with Drift In by uh, Friday in America with Amanda Lee Pierce. All right, bud. Thank you.
to the Rochester Groovecast podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and remember the fee. Share this with a friend and tell them exactly why they should listen. And don't forget to keep it groovy, baby.